Hello, everyone. Welcome to another special episode of the Bulletproof Podcast with your host, Thomas Rosema. Today is a very special episode because today we have a professional athlete on the podcast today. Uh, last week, I had a phone call with Mason Baptista, who is a professional hockey player who plays in the second division German league, uh, otherwise known as the Dell 2, uh, and he plays for EHC Freiburg. And the reason why I wanted, the reason why I contacted Mason in the first place to have him on the podcast is because I listened to an episode he did with another uh, podcast streamer, uh, Shifty Hockey, and I you know I really wanted to showcase not just the work ethic, not just the mindset that he possesses, but also the very simple principle that he takes action on, and that's being obsessed with development, being obsessed with improvement. And that's something that I am really trying to hone in on. I'm really trying to focus in on. It's like, how can I improve by 1% each day? And that's what we at Oath are also focused on, the four members of the Oath. And, you know, this is, you know, whoever you are, whether you're like me who wants to become a professional athlete or successful entrepreneur, or even if you want to take that next step in your life, you know, go to that next level, whether it be becoming successful in whatever whatever that looks like for you in your life, whatever it may be. I think this podcast can give a lot of insight into that and give you practical advice into how you can go about becoming the better version of yourself. Anyway, I don't want to talk for too much longer because, well, the podcast, the conversation we have is quite long enough, but you know, Please listen in very carefully, sit back, relax, and take in as much information as possible. Take as much value as po- as you possibly can from this podcast episode, because honestly, there's a lot, a lot of value to be taken away. You don't have to listen to the full thing, but whatever you do, please take something away from this podcast and then act upon it. Anyway, enjoy the podcast, everyone. Take care. Hello, Mason. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Thomas. What's up? Perfect. Yeah, uh, nothing much. Just came back from school. What about you? Uh, I finished practice, had lunch, and now I'm just chilling, man. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, honestly, like, <coughs> I, I, I was a little bit intrigued because, like, it's not every day that I get to go to another podcast of, let's say, a hockey, you know, player or coach. And they start bringing up things that I can really relate to. And I think that, uh, honestly, I, I'm, not if you, I'm not sure if you get this feeling as well, but sometimes that hockey culture ignores certain things such as like growing up a bit in terms of other areas that Jordan Peterson, let's say, uh, talks about. Yeah, the, the hockey culture in general, like when you're growing up from juniors all the way through college, and I'm not, I'm not saying I was any different. I took part in it. But it's definitely uh, it's a it's a tough road because like when you leave college you're like oh my god that's not real life that's not the way things are and even playing pro now you still some some guys don't don't move past or at least start to grow and uh, that's not really taught in the hockey culture really it's just uh, it, it's it's a it's a part of the game that needs to grow and you're starting to see a little bit I'm seeing a lot more players that are are getting better at it and um, it'd be interesting to see how college players are now in general but again players like yourself uh, like clearly you're showing this growth in that this um 
determination to change and kind of work on that self-development that you hear so much of now. Yeah, because I feel like, I mean, that's again, like I said, that's what intrigued me most about your podcast you did with Shift, uh, with Shift Hockey, was that there was another element to it that, you know, like a lot of people, like, I don't know, they sit, talk about the grinding, they talk about, um, you know, hard work and everything. But it's just become, for me at least, like a bit of a, like a bit of a bullshit story that people just constantly repeat without really digging deep into what actually it's all about. Yeah, it's it. Well, actually, I've had this discussion with uh, a player on our team here, and it's part of like this new age of punchlines. So it's something like the be positive punchline. Yeah. The they'll just or they'll be like they'll just throw a bunch of words out there or like oh you got to grind and you're like but there's no content behind the phrase and so the athlete hears the word gets that little quick stimuli like little boost oh I got to grind but then there's after that little stimuli is gone you're kind of like wait what did, what did you mean. Yeah, like, so well, there's no, to do. Yeah. there's no information, there's no real information. And, uh, and that the discussion I had was like the be positive talk. Like you hear a lot of players say it all the time, but most usually it, there's not a lot of content behind it. So if you tell someone to be positive, you're almost telling someone that they're, they're, they have a negative attitude, which almost gets the, you're almost driving this negative feedback loop where you're getting more negative now. Because that yeah. player is now worried about this, and it's like there's there's a w- different way to go about it, and uh, and I think it's just it's just part it's part of the punchline syndrome now. Everyone wants a quick little word like it's like you talked about grind. They say, oh, you got to grind. You're like, um, oh, okay, like I, I keep hearing this word, or I've been getting into entitlement. You always hear this word like, oh, they're entitled. Yeah, like definitely as a teenager. Yeah, definitely as a teenager, you definitely hear that a lot. Like oh, yeah, these kids nowadays are so fucking entitled. I'm like, like, you know, it is, sure, I, I can kind of see what they mean because, of course, let's say, you know, our generation, because I think that's the cool thing about this conversation that, you know, me and uh, you and I can have is that, you know, you're much older, you have much more experience, and, you know, you, you're already at that stage of pro hockey where, you know, you've been through the process, you know, extensively, and not even from, let's say, an easy, you know, a super easy and kind of... Um, uh, standard route. I mean, you had to, you know, like, I don't want to say it again, like grind, but you had to like earn your, and pave your own path to get to pro from what I heard on your podcast with shift hockey. Well, yeah, right? I've, had, just, I've just had to work. I just had to work through different avenues and, um, and kind of like when you go through this, before we dive down into that, the biggest thing too, and I, this is why I really like Peterson. I'm sure this is why you like him too as well is he defines words. And so when you hear yep. people say the word entitlement, you're like, okay, let's define entitlement. What does that mean? Cause like that, I find that older generations or when people don't know what to do with a younger athlete that may not be listening or is underachieving, they just go, Oh, he's entitled. And you're like, well, what do you, what does the word entitled mean? Like what's, what's going on? And so uh, when I talk about entitlement and what I'm working now with some of more of the mental side of the game, I, entitlement typically comes from either a comes from problems that it, the athlete believes to be unsolvable, and so what happens is now the athlete either feels like I need to be treated differently because I have these special problems, and so I'm different. So please treat me differently. And yeah. now they start blaming other people for their issues. 
And so when older generations like blame or calling them entitled, that's essentially what it means, but they're not really fixing the problem because they haven't done their job to really teach the athlete to solve problems. They just, they just tell the athlete to go out and grind or be positive. But it doesn't really yeah. help them solve any issues. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like that resonates a lot with me because, as well, let's say not even let's say with athletes, but my generation in general is like they like. That's a cool thing. Again, like I'm part of this generation, even though let's say I'm more mature than let's say most kids my age mm-hmm. at 18. There's definitely that that kind of that's what I really am focusing on. Let's say my podcast is like giving the real practical kind of advice and not just being let's say quote-unquote motivational inspirational like people have said that to me lately and saying like oh man like i listen to your podcast really inspirational stuff and like that's a thing like i'm not sure if they're putting me in the same category as let's say um someone who does like a rant on instagram or you know youtube for example i want to be seen as someone who is like willing to or not willing to per se all the time but let's say more so is giving you advice that is literally actionable and like you see results from like kind of like what you see with train 2.0 with the, let's say, I'm not sure if you've dived that much into it. Um, but the alpha hockey mind stuff, let's say the meditation aspect, mm-hmm. uh, and putting things in perspective versus I, I, just I have, for learning yeah, shit out. I haven't, I haven't dove into the alpha mind. I've been more working with the downhill skating and some of the skill specific stuff, but again, just from hearing you talk about it again, they're trying to give you something that's more practical. And I'm assuming that Jason's following the same system with the alpha mindset as it is with everything else. And it's just trying to give you something that's practical and that you can observably see some differences or some results from it. Yeah. And that's essentially what you're trying to do. But, and the reason, and back to what you said about the inspiration thing, the reason people are, they're pigeonholing you into that, and that phrase of like, oh, you're a motivational guy is because we're essentially addicted to that type of that type of uh, video. Yeah. Where it's, it's that stimuli that like that sugar high. We're constantly looking for that sugar high. And that's why you see videos now like you can't make videos pass. Um, to, I think I think I saw something online was past two, two and a half minutes or three minutes because people just they, they won't write it. They won't take that information in. Because they, they need something quick, right to the point. And that's going to be your challenge, I think, like from what you're talking about, is separating yourself from that and finding a way to not be put into that that realm of motivational speaking or inspirational guy. Like, yes, the stuff can be inspirational, motivational, but there needs to be some more content behind it, some more practical advice that will be sustainable during after the motivation wears off. Yeah, exactly. Because it always does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's always that, like, I mean, I used to, when I was, I'd say, 15, 16, uh, you know, you'd always, you just find them, like, there's, like, pump-up videos or whatever it is, and let's say I just, like, download them as, like, an MP3 player, mm-hmm. uh, like, an MP3 uh, file, and, like, have them on my, like, iPod or my, on my phone or whatever just to listen to. And, you know, you'd get that, like you said, you get that high, but right after it, it it's gone. Like, you forget about it. But that's when everything changed when I started listening and digging deep, deeper into, let's say, philosophy, let's say even like the philosophy behind uh, Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. And like, let's say you watch one of his interviews and he talks about certain concepts that, you know, even Train 2.0 talks about um, as, as like the concept of, uh, you know, lo- the 
learning to die in that sense. Like it, it's a very like taken literally. It's not that's not the message, but it's like embracing failure and then learning like, and then connecting that back to what Peterson says. I mean, I talked about this in my previous podcast episodes. Like the hero's journey is like literally just conquering fear in any facet it is. Because like literally, what you want is on the other side, and then all of a sudden there is like you're given something practical versus just you know the whole thing where it's like you know. Oh, you know, you got to grind, you got to work hard, you got to, you know, uh, whatever, whatever, you know, generic message is set out. Once it's like perfectly laid out. And that's what Peterson like absolutely like perfected, I think, in a certain sense. Like he's been able to do, do all that in 10 minute clips. Because, mm-hmm. of course, like all that he had big, you know, the, the lectures themselves go for an hour or so, whatever. But the clips that are on YouTube, you know, the five to 10 minute clips, they give you all that information fairly quickly. And I think that's where like the big change happened for me personally was that okay now I've given actionable actionable advice on things that I can reflect on, and you know constantly refine myself with, versus just some some noise in the back in the back of my head. Well, yeah, and again, Peterson's work like I don't I haven't do- dove too deep into what he does. Uh, my girlfriend's reading his Twelve Rules for Life. I think it's Twelve Rules for Life or yeah, um, so, and. Uh, I just personally enjoy that he at least starts the conversation of asking the right questions on how you can do more to, again, more improve yourself. And by doing that, the rest will kind of come along. I know he's gone down a real big rabbit hole with some other political and life issues around. And kudos for him. He can figure that stuff out. But what I really – he does get you starting to ask the right questions. And that's kind of the important thing. And – I commend you for what you're doing. Like, it's great. Like, I, again, I, when I remember when I was your age, I was doing some, trying to do similar stuff, but technology and I just, I didn't have the mentorship and like, you're doing a great, uh, I love what you're doing where you're trying to create this awareness to more practical problem solving type mentality versus the just throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. yeah I like that analogy. That's actually, I really like that one. Yeah. You, yeah, you that, see, that puts it perfectly. That literally puts it perfectly in. Well, and, and like back to what you said too, when you said uh, you're just, you need to accept the the shitty feeling, right? You accept the like the lows. I think that's where once you start to grow and like what you're doing is like, okay, once I accept like this isn't going well right now and just keep moving forward, it makes it a lot easier to handle it. Whereas like today, everyone's obsessed with the high, the little two minute inspirational videos and just getting more of it. And so it's that, that it's that addiction and it's, and really that is a compensation, a way to handle. That's how people, that's how younger kids and that's how everyone, it's not really younger kids. It's everyone. It's myself at times too. That's how you handle when you don't want to deal with what's going on right now, you compensate with an addiction and it doesn't have to be alcohol or drugs. It's as simple as being your phone. It could be any type of social media. It's the same thing, or it can be as simple as just like motivational videos. Like you have to, once you become self-aware and understand what patterns you're exhibiting, now you can better, now you can start making better assessments and making better patterns and start breaking bad habits that can be almost unchangeable as you get older. Yeah. Cause like, that's also why like I am very heavily focused on, cause at first like the whole podcasting was literally a spur of the moment decision. Um, and it's funny just how it all started off. I was, uh, on, I had a bad day and I was really reflecting on what I, on what happened. And basically long story short, 
my parents, like, even though they didn't go through with it, they wanted to get a divorce. Mm-hmm. And that, that news sprung on me, like, literally, uh, morning uh, of a school day, uh, I was, was completely just out of whack. I, I flipped out on a kid during uh, math class. Like, I, I told him to shut the F up, like, like out loud, and just, like, stormed out of class. And I was already in a, in a really, you know, un- unbalanced, out of whack state. And I got home, and then, you know, I was like, you know, like, why am I letting this bother me? Because I, I noticed it. I was like, dude, like, I would get it. You're pissed. But at the same time, there's no real point for me to wallow about it and, you know, get all pissed off about it. So literally what I did, I just worked out. I did something mm-hmm. that made me feel good. I literally, I literally made that switch from, you know, crying in my bed or whatever it was to literally doing something that I enjoyed. So, you know, I went for a quick... 30 minute cardio and then I came back and literally like it just it that moment opened my eyes it's like holy shit like there is no such thing as being out of control well, not say no such thing but I think people like to like to think that everything's out of their control so they have no uh, sense of responsibility mm-hmm. and then like once I realized that, I was like shit like I need to start I need to start exploring this more and then I literally went on snapchat on my stories and I started talking about it. It was openly on my Snapchat story. And then people started, like, coming in. And then, like, they, I saw the response back. And I was like, okay, this is, this is something that is worth going deeper into. And that's when the podcast started up on Anchor. And people liked it. And, like, it wasn't, it wasn't no longer just me, you know. Because early it was the kind of me being a little bit more sending out a message and then not really reflecting as I went along. Because with these podcasts, you know, I'm not really coming in with a with – a, a set plan, like a set script. I was very adamant from the beginning. Is like I need to turn on the mic and just let thoughts and conversations just go as they may. Because I think that's when also it, it feels like the other person, like listening to this, for example, will start to reflect as well. Because otherwise, it just there's too much noise. And then I was like, shit, like it works. Because <laughs> people have been coming back to me, and they started really like refining themselves and figuring what the hell they're doing wrong like in their own lives well yeah and and, like let's talk about what you did there right you went to go work out an entitled person when you someone's entitled they blame the world and we go through those moments but you made the you made that recognition and then you said okay how can i solve this problem and you started looking for solutions and again, you went to your workout, you solved an issue, you felt better about it. Now you're like, wow, I, that's like your little epiphany. Like, I just need to solve problems. That's essentially what you were doing. Unconsciously, yeah. without even knowing it, is you triggered this problem-solving attitude mindset that you need to move forward. It's the only way. It, again, we're all going to feel the lows and burst out and make mistakes and do things you regret. Like it all happens to us all. It doesn't matter if you're 18, 28 or 58, it's going to happen all the way across the board. The quicker you can make that recognition and make that shift in perspective, the easier your life's going to be. And the sooner those solutions to problems will come. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that. Cause like, uh, I started to think about, it's like, where did, what's not being done that could be done, let's say by schools or by parents, for example, because like, you know, I I absolutely love my parents. Like they, they sacrificed a a crap ton for me in terms of opportunity wise, you know, like we're not, we're not like super rich or anything when we don't have a crap ton of money. Uh, We're pretty much on that like kind of edge between, you know, being middle class and lower class, but this is that my parents are willing to 
sacrifice their own livelihood, you know, their their own you know uh, standard of living for me and my sister's future. So I'm very lucky with that. But I was like wondering, like, where is it that <coughs> uh, what what can be done on a, on a on a grander scale? Where can people learn the most from in terms of let's say dealing with other people and really supporting? That's that's a question that's been kind of driving a lot of my thoughts and even Corson as well. Um, that whole oath group. It's funny even how that started. Is like I connected my friend uh, up who I grew up with. Uh, not grew up with. Uh, I was on a boarding school for mm -hmm. one year with, and then I didn't talk with this kid for like two years after. Um, after I left, just you know drifted apart. You know it, it happens. But I realized there are people out there as well that are like so you know, narrow-minded, not narrow-minded, no, tunnel vision, that's a better word, tunnel vision on their goal, you know, they're chasing it, they're going down, they're going for it, like, really going for it, not just saying it, and I was like, we need to get these people linked up together, mm -hmm. and then the whole accountability thing started happening, that's what Oath essentially was, it's a, it's a group for us to be accountable to each other, we were setting out goals, we are doing calls with each other, and like, saying, okay, you know, maybe you're screwing up on this section, maybe you're looking at things the wrong way, and I was thinking, we were starting to think like how could that be applied to a larger scale where more people can be exposed to that that kind of I'm not really sure how to explain it but like that kind of uh, again it's kind of accountability for each other well yeah well this is again accountability it depends on it depends on your personality type or but this is like kind of an awareness you guys have found a group of four who essentially are similar in the sense that you need accountability from someone else to help you reach your goals i i'm saying from a grand scale when you're looking at a bigger scale bigger picture not everyone needs that there's there's certain types that can do it like there's different types of accountability they're external and internal and some people keep themselves accountable and some people need a little extra and it's not good or bad whichever one you are the most okay. important thing is about being aware I, I read a book um, called The Four Tendencies, and it talks about, and the biggest thing is about accountability. And once you become aware of which personality type you fall under the most, you can now start creating the accountability structure that will allow you to be successful. And so they talk, like the way you guys are talking about is where most of the population is. It's called an obliger. And that's essentially meaning that you guys, it's, it, you guys benefit from external accountability someone else like say i go to the gym i'm i can go to the gym and like yeah you can get the stuff done but if you go with a partner or you have someone like giving you stuff or working on a plan with you you're more likely to do more or you're more likely to make sure you show up to the gym it helps yep. you that way it just it just it's more beneficial you're going to get more bang out of your buck and so that that when you find out what's the most effective method to create accountability, that's when you're gonna start seeing more results. And again, for myself, again, I, I, do, I do the same thing with myself. Mine's more of like, I have to, I write things down and I set up a structure on when things have to be done. And again, I wanna make sure, and I have to keep things, I have to keep within that structure. And if I don't, again, like I, I lose my, I, I lose it sometimes. I'm like, I need to get this stuff done. I, it's always pushing, I'm always, Make, pushing myself to make sure I keep myself accountable. And that's, I've always been more of an internal driver. I don't yep. do as well with the other route, but I think when you guys are looking from a grand scale of things, when you, you have to find a system for that works for each group, essentially. Yep. 
And so yeah. what you guys got with those, I love that. I saw that. I saw the posts you guys are putting up, and it's awesome because it keeps all of you guys accountable, and it keeps you guys asking the right questions. Yeah. No, that, that's, actually, that's like that's like something new now for me that you just mentioned because I didn't really think about that before that there are two types of accountability, and now that you mentioned it, I kind of, I was initially that person like you said the obliger, who kind of to really get my max to get more bang for my buck, I needed that extra person, that, that coach, that, that friend, that family member to give me that small push mm-hmm. to, I don't, I don't need, I didn't need much to, to do my thing. Some, but sometimes, even if it's just that like, Hey buddy, like, you know, what's up? Like, well, what are you doing? Then that's already enough for me. But lately, like in the past month, <coughs> I focused really on putting things in like checklists and reminders and like Trello boards has been absolutely amazing for that. It's a, a simple free app that I downloaded, and it was it, it's pretty awesome for me just to see like kind of where I first started, let's say a month ago, um, to now how I've kind of systemized how I studied, um, and like even let's like, say my my podcast and like my, my uh, how I create them, like it's no longer chaotic. It's nice and laid out. I don't have to think. I don't have to have extra willpower or anything. It's just like do what it says, and I'm done within like 15, 20 minutes. And that, well, that's why you create. I, I was listening to your, one of your podcasts. You talked about you got school automated. I got hockey automated. I just have to put the work in, and see that's the type of that's the type of thinking and that's the type of systematic approach you can put in that takes away that that mental bandwidth, like running out of that mental bandwidth you yeah. have, and it just turns it automatic. And now you save that two or three G's you got to use on actual things that require. You a little more intentful think and thinking, or a little bit more awareness from your part. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, no, that helps. And again, again, remember though, it, it's not bad or good, whichever trait you are. Like that's yeah. the problem too. Like everyone equates like, okay, so there's four types. There's a bad, and then there's a good one. It's like no, like this is just who you are. Once you accept who you are, now you can start creating structures that can help maximize what your traits are, what your personality is. Start building a system that revolves around what's going to get the most out of you. It's yeah. that, and that, yeah. that's the approach. That's the mindset you want to go into certain things, like these type of things when you're looking at development or improving something else versus like the cookie cutter system. And that's like where in the, with my business, even my own development, I've just avoided. The kids that I work with, like I just – it's no cookie cutter. Like I give everything's personalized to what they need to do. And yep. kids respond diff- to different stimuli and different, um, different types of coaching. And I adjust appropriate to each kid and the way they need to be taught. And I think that's where you need to be moving towards. And that's so what you're doing right now, which is creating a system that's built for you or yep. what you need to do to be successful. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. And that's, you know, I, I completely agree with that because even lately, some people have been coming for me, let's say, uh, certain piece of advice. Um, a girl from Calgary, she wants to start up her own project similar to the people of New York. Uh, like That's an Instagram profile that shares stories of people, like basically random strangers um, uh, online and like shares a bit of their story in the caption. And, you know, it, overall to build awareness over certain topics. And... You know, it's like I, I I like the way that you go about it. It's more so, and I think that you might agree with it. Is that more so you give certain principles 
I mean, that's like the, the, the real, you know, the real, uh, that's the gold, not per se, okay, this is exactly how I do it. You need to do exactly the same way, right? Well, yeah, no, exactly. You want to teach people principles and then from there they can make the more like a hockey analogy, read and react and make the play. But they have these basic principles, like say, again, this whole, this help with the hockey, hockey players that listen to it. It's like, okay, you need to support Every, you need to support your F1 on the four check at all times. And then from there, you just make a read. Instead of saying, you have to stand on the wall every time right here. And yeah. then you're kind of like, There's a, they're similar, but they're vastly different. And it's the yeah. same thing in life. You teach someone, okay, look, we need to get this message across A, B, like, like not like A, B, and C. It's just like, okay, we need to get this message across social media. How are we going to do it? And now you need to start brainstorming and then you just know what not to do. And then you go from there and you start solving problems. And then, it, but like, like you said, it needs to be principle based, not like structured, like A, B, C, D. Cause then you're just going to get drones and you, you've seen that with train 2.0. Yeah. You don't want to be a drone coach or a, a drone mentor. And uh, that you just end up, you're just it, it's diminishing returns. You'll get some type of advantage initially, some results, but eventually it's you're setting yourself up for failure otherwise. Yeah, essentially, yeah. But like for you, let's say growing up, like where did you kind of like, – let's go – I want to go a little bit deeper into like let's say how you came across things, like how you came across your – like to you paving your own pathway to professional hockey. Like how did that kind of all really start off? Because like, I heard, you know, you went through the whole process of emailing or like no mailing – uh, not emailing, emailing, literally, uh, physically mailing, uh, university, physically and mailing, yes, yeah. So like that's like, <laughs> no I one. Mean... <laughs> I don't think people, I don't. I I don't think if you told someone uh, now, like, oh hey, can you mail this letter? I don't think some people would know how to do it. And yeah. I was doing it for every <laughs> team, every team in college. Like that's just the way. It, well, it's not really the way it was. It was uh, uh, this coach told me he's like, you want to play college hockey? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, you got to message everyone. Is like no one's coming out to look at you. Like you're not the super. Like the reality, it's a reality. I wasn't the superstar. I wasn't the top skilled guy. I had to reach out. I had to communicate with guys. And so I physically like wrote letters and uh, like like not the, the letter I typed out and printed out. But I would fold every. I print out spe- a specific individual copy for each coach with their name and address for the school. Yep. And then I'd fold it up and then I'd, I'd get the letters written out specifically for them and make it handwritten so that you show that personal it's more personable versus like just that cookie cutter way and that's just the way i wanted to play pro i want to play college hockey and that was the way i had to do it I, I didn't have the money to pay for a family advisor i didn't have the money to to kind of reach out to other external agencies i had to do it all myself and so and it's the same thing with pro hockey it's the same thing i did here playing pro it's the same thing i did playing coming here to play in germany i had to do the i do the work myself like i have an agent and he does his job like he reaches out but really the accountability is if i want to play at a certain level or play somewhere i have to be putting work in i'm not going to sit on the couch and just hope someone else to do it like yeah. uh, there's a time and a place to let them do their job so like say the negotiations are so uh there like it doesn't really that's not my job but it's getting my foot in the door that's going to be me I can yep. work the content, so you got to work every avenue and every angle. And uh, then at the end of the day, like if things didn't work out, you go like, okay, well, I, I did everything I could. Instead yep. of where you get a lot of people 
I, I hear it now, like, oh, uh, like in hockey, they'll be like, yeah, I could have done it, but like, I just, I don't, I don't know. Like, they're just, I don't know if there was the right opportunity. And a lot of the players, it's just, they didn't really want it, which is fine. Yeah. Like, I really wanted to do it. And so I had to put the work in. And that's just the, that's, that, I learned it at a very young age, just not having a lot of money. I had to, that's those are the things I had to do. I had to find, I had to find a way to make things work. I couldn't rely on other um, agencies or other people to do it. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, like, let's say, how did you, I mean, watching that shift in your own life, let's say personally, like, how have you changed over the course of, you know, getting into college hockey and how does like your routines and like your systems and how you kind of plan yourself out? How's that like kind of evolved over the past, you know, couple of years through college hockey and pro? Um, well, yeah, like moving in college hockey, really, I just learned uh, it. I really did learn. I, it, playing juniors was essentially easier. It was so much easier than college hockey just because in juniors, uh, the coaches gave you a lot of leeway. Um, like I had good coaches, but like when I went to college hockey, like I learned how to play real defense and really had to start from the bottom, even being like a top scorer where I was pl- coming from. I had to go over there and learn. I had to start from scratch, essentially. And so college helped me at least. It, it helped refortify that. Like you have to earn everything you get. And yep. now, though, my systems have really changed, essentially, from college into pro. Is it's just being more efficient and effective. Where, like, as I've grown and just learned more things, and as technology and every in every aspect of like life, like YouTube's blown up. So you start more avenues for learning information has blown up now i'm a lot more a lot more effective when it comes to again just my training again like i'm able to connect with people like yourself um i like my mentor other than train 2.0 jason's awesome uh, my first mentor was ron johnson up and he's actually where jason is too he really got me into like the analytics and then uh, just the ability to be just more effective when it comes to training has just been through the roof versus just, again, you you notice in college hockey, it's just everything's a lot more cookie cutter. It's just because there's so, ma- there's so many people coming through the door. There's just so much going on. It's so busy that it's so hard to specialize. Whereas like now you can, re- in pro, I've really found a, a way to just specialize my training specifically for me and focus on that. Yeah. And then let's say, like, and like, aside from let's say the hockey, how have you been able to like apply, in a, like how, like not necessarily how, but like say what have you actually done to apply those same sort of principles, even like let's say, your your work life or any other anything else other than just pro, than anything other than just hockey, like how have you, kind of made those principles a little bit more universal just for your life. In general, it's more of a, taking that problem solver approach, and um, I haven't released this out, but like I. I wrote down like types. There's four types of perspectives or personality player types you see. And um, it goes down. um, It goes down as like you have a finger pointers, Mr. Positive role players and problem solvers. And you fluctuate in between all four of those. But my main point is in life, no matter what is to be a problem solver. That's not, I don't want to be pointing the finger at other people. I don't want to be tossing punchlines like we've talked about, like when you say, oh, just grind or uh, can you just just get the work done? Um, I'm more of like try to 
try to solve problems. That's a, when you're looking at like a principle that I try to apply across the board, whether it be to hockey life, uh, family relationships is, is instead of blaming other people, instead of focusing on all these other things around all the noise around me, I just focus on the problem at hand and focus on trying to solve the problem. And so find a way to find a way to solve a problem because it's the, the biggest issue I found growing up and in college is that I thought that the problems were unsolvable. Like I felt like they were just, they're just happening to me and that I, there's no way around it when the reality is, is that the problems that are happening in your life have happened thousands of times before you and will happen thousands of times after you and have been solved. And it's more of a matter of you pointing the finger, not at other people, but at yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror and working out those problems. Yeah. And so that's difficult at times, but now I catch myself, like sometimes I'll get, again, through throughout life, regardless of what's going on, it's not even just hockey. Um, I'm, I start, I feel like maybe I'm blaming someone. I'm having a conversation. I start talking about someone else. So the, yeah, that's a big issue. And it's going like, I, I don't need, that's, that's like junk. That's me talking, that's me finger pointing. It's me being a finger pointer. Like do it. Do I need to point the finger at someone else? Why don't I just figure out what the actual issue is and let me try to solve it? If not, if it's not a relevant topic or it doesn't matter to me, then don't bother pointing the finger. And so uh, I see that around in life in general. I start, I'm more aware of you know, a lot of person people out there, like even when you're just having conversations with people that are, tech, are more finger pointers or blaming other people or woe is me, my problems are too big to handle. Yeah. And uh, you see that around and you're just, you just kind of separate yourself from it. I just, I, I've noticed I find myself separating myself from people who are just essentially, they don't want to solve problems. They just want to make excuses for everything around them. And yeah. so the people I keep around me are the people that essentially want to solve problems or are willing to, ask the hard questions and work through those issues yeah i mean that's yeah that's basically what we came to with oath as well as like i've went through that i think it was kind of weird for me even as of lately because like i'm trying to i really want to i'm really looking to make these big jumps and i know that these big jumps you know in any stage of my personal development or even let's say hockey with school are there for me for the taking the, the opportunity is there but of course in that process i need to sac i need to sacrifice something in return whether it's something very little or, you know, uh, such as, let's say, you need to start following less people on Instagram and stop letting other people feed and bullshit or negativity kind of get in your vision. Because that's what I think that's what a lot of people, at least my age, have a trouble with is that it's like a, con it's a, it's a need for confirmation and verification from other people, that whole following thing and liking and caring about the the numbers external it, validation yeah external validation. Const yeah. constantly looking for the validation that's a compensation though you understand that's a compensation that's coming from again i'm not calling them anyone it's not just young people it's everybody but that's just a compensation that occurs when someone feels entitled like their problems are unique to them and that they're unsolvable so i need to get validation through these external these outside sources to kind of help me fill the void because I don't want to deal initially, initially yeah. with what's going on. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, it, I hear you like that. I, and where I get a lot of that stuff from is I, this was like three years ago. I do, dove down the, um, 
path of like functional movement. And I worked with these guys up at Functional Patterns. They're up in Hawaii now. But it, it's awesome stuff. You should check it out. Like they've really just broken. Like they're like miles ahead of anyone else when it comes to um, the movement standpoint. And it's not even just movement. It relates to everything because they talk about how everything's connected in the body. But in reality, yeah. it's everything around you is connected. The whole nine yards is connected. And once you learn yeah. that and learn to put these pieces together, and that's the, I've tried to push Jason to kind of look into it. I know he's busy with all this stuff, but he talks about inner slings and in the body. And those things, functional patterns, have been talking about for like eight years. Like the two of them will get along really well because he, it, it talks about just like how that whole connection and how asking these questions. And solving problems that like no one else has been willing to than before and they just avoid this the validation issues when they see it this like type of behavior they just they're see you later like you're is gone like they don't yeah. deal with that type of garbage because it's just junk it's just yeah. wasteful it's wastefulness so um yeah but yeah like that's you once you become more aware of the external validation whores essentially hoarding around, you start distancing yourself from people like that because it's just it's just toxic. It's toxic shit. Like you don't want that in your life. Yeah, it's exactly. going to bring you down. It's going to slow. You, it's going to weigh you down. It's going to slow you down from getting where you want. Yeah, and then like people take it also very personally. I, I realized that I was like, I mean, that's also one thing that's holding people back from it. Because I mean, it's like a lot of kids my age they notice it. They notice these problems. But a lot of them are just too afraid to make that step because they don't want to be called out as, let's say, cocky or being a dick. Because it's like, that's not what it's about. Like, you should know your truth. You should know what you're doing it for. And that should, at the end, is really what is, you know, paramount. It, it, it's, what, it's what is, the only thing that really fucking matters is, like, like screw what people are willing to label you as uh, from this sort of standpoint of, let's say, distancing yourself from junk, from things that are pulling you down because like <laughs> you like it was it was funny just to watch people like take it so personal oh you unfollowed me on instagram like dude we're, like, we're good friends we're best friends i was like yeah like dude like i'm all for talking and you know t you know hanging out and everything but i i just i need to be more tunnel visioned on what i want to see and like you don't fit my criteria for things that i think will help me in that sense well they're not what matters like you okay so there's a, a book i'm sure you've heard about it it's called the subtle art of not giving a fuck yeah it's an awesome book i don't know if you've read it if you have oh, my mom my mom's reading it i'm actually gonna read it after her it's when she's done unbelievable read i keep I, and the, they talk about entitlement they do a really good job of defining it they talk about everything and the thing is you mentally like what you're saying you're unfollowing these people or you're kind of distancing yourself from these people that are really don't matter because the reality is you only have so much mental bandwidth to, to really give a, to give a fuck about. There's only a couple things you can care about. Once you figure out what that is, that's all that matters. You, oh, you can only, it's only like two or three things. People think that they can care about 30 things. It's like, no, I, I have something that matters. Like I, my business, my relationships, my hockey career, that's all that matters. That's all I have time for. If you don't fit in that realm, if you're not helping that, then it's just noise. It's, it's a, background noise like I, I i don't need it that's not an offensive thing i'm just trying to save you the time i'm trying to save everyone else the time like i just i can't handle it anymore and those are like you see the people pleasers and that's what we see a lot more of now is like people, just people pleasing 
and they're yep. obsessed with that validation and like, oh, you, you got to like everything. It's like, oh my God, man, like I just don't, I don't have time for that. It's just, it's just noise. Like all that stuff yeah. is just noise and you just need to focus on what's ahead and just go through it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Because even like, uh, that's funny, I had a conversation with uh, one of my friends uh, back from my old school. We were talking about this thing as well, this this little concept. And, <laughs> and my friend was completely bewildered by, because like she was scrolling through Instagram. And then she didn't like like a couple of her friend's photos. And then the friends around her that were sitting with her were like, wait, why didn't you like a photo? And she's like, oh, I don't need to. Like, I don't, I don't actually like it. Like, you know, it's, it's nothing that sounds out. She's like, but she goes to your school. I was like, we had to laugh about it. Because, again, like when you really think about it, when you really reflect about it, it's just ridiculous. Absolutely oh, watch it. ridiculous. Just like, watch Jesus. it. Be an outsider and watch. Like, yeah. I, I've, I went through a couple cycles of like having my phone only um, like this summer. Uh, me and my girlfriend did a tap. Like one, every day you had five minutes per hour to watch like social media. So that like it turned into like I found was that when I was looking at social media, I just want to look for the things that mattered. I wasn't liking random stuff anymore. I wasn't spending a lot of excess time on my like social media because I was like, I only have five minutes. Like this is this is it. Like yeah, I, I'm gonna look the at most things that matter. I went through yeah. times where too, when I first dove into like functional patterns and the external validation, I did one hour a week where I'd set all my posts up like on a Sunday. And I look at stuff for a week, but then I deleted all my social media accounts. Me and my buddy did it and we didn't go on any of it. Like we did a complete freeze. And after doing that and you watch people behave and how they look at social media and how they, and how they act, you're kind of like, whoa, like that's, that seems very like primitive. Like, what are you doing? Like, that just seems like wasteful. Like, why do you care so much? And so once you do these like little cleanses, essentially from social media, you'll start noticing that more and more. You'll start yeah. noticing those behaviors and you're like, whoa, like that's, that's someone that's not very self-aware. Someone that's again, like, and we've all go through it. Like I used to just sit there on my phone and just stare at it and scroll down. But like now you have to start when you become aware and you catch yourself and you're doing these cleanses, you can start going like, okay, I, I need to stop. I need to make that shift a lot sooner and that's part of that self-awareness thing that we've been talking like initially got this conversation started and so those are like you have to find little essentially biohacks in your life how do you hack your life and to make it make yourself more effective and efficient yeah because it's really it's about like making your life as like less i think it was not to say as easy as possible because i think that's that can be um kind of misinterpreted the wrong way but I think it's like, how can you make your life as less stressful as possible in certain ways? Because I feel like a lot of people just like, their systems are what really are causing them the stress that they're really complaining about. It's like self-induced. A lot of this yeah. stuff is just, it's, it's self-induced behavior. Like yeah. most of the problems that, like people, people, like we don't have any real problems. Like if you really look at it, we don't have real problems. Like yep. they're self, like people that have real problems are people that don't have they don't know if they're going to get another meal the next day or they yeah. don't have fresh water to drink or they don't have shelter. Or they're scared for their lives every single day because they live in a war torn country. Those are real problems. And I'm not trying to downplay the problems that we all have, but the, let's just call a spade a spade. They're not real problems. The problems that we have are more self-induced. We cause these issues on it. We, we put them on ourselves because again, we like to put our problems on a pedestal. 
and make ourselves believe that there are these crazy unsurmountable problems when people every day have been have been solving them them and way much and way harder problems for years and years before and years and years after they'll be doing it yeah no like yeah because i think that kind of goes back to because like the kind of the main people that i've kind of linked my philosophy to are people like ito portal and then other kind of variations like yeah gary v bruce lee um and all a couple other like idols that i have and you know, I look at them, and they they all do the same sort of thing, same principles. And then people ask me, you know, like you know, Thomas, like how do you how do you stay motivated? Like I don't get it. I'm like, dude, I just have things in perspective. That's like it. Like I just I'm aware, and I just put things in a perspective that's like, hey, like, you know, you want something really special, right? Like that's what I I want to. Apart from let's say make a professional hockey, I want to have a a real good control of my life in terms of you know my income. And I don't want, I don't see myself, you know, working under another person, you know, for some firm, like as a lawyer or something. I really, I can't see myself like that. Like, you know, it's just something that's completely just out of my scope. And, that, and it's fair that, that that's your thing, right? Like, that's okay. Yeah. Like, I can't do it. So how, what do I got to do? I have yeah. to solve this problem. How do I solve this problem? Okay, well, let me get into A, B, and C. These are the things that I need to do. Okay, and that's what you're doing. You're working through the problem. And you're going to get plenty more problems. But the reality is, is like you're choosing your problems, again, and you're solving them. Those, these are your own. And it's, it, this is exactly the type of behavior that you need to take hold. It's not trying to avoid the problems. Like you find a lot of people now – and, uh, and even at a younger age, I tend to do this a lot too, is you want to avoid the problems yep. in front of you yeah. by creating fake external problems that have that really are self-induced. But you yep. just did it to yourself. Just deal with the problem at hand. See what you, well, like, see what you want. Solve, solve the problem. Work it out. And now you'll create a new problem and you just keep solving them. Just keep solving problems. And you're going to find yourself a couple years down the road and you're like, wow, look what I created. By yeah. focusing on the things that I can control. Yeah, exactly. Like I was, I was a big like. It's, it's crazy to see myself like really reflecting back over the past couple of weeks, like the transformation I made, and even like despite being someone who thought of himself as someone who didn't really have an ego or anything like that, it, it's funny like how even certain things I say making your making excuses is basically it's ego. It's, it's egotistical to be like, oh yeah, like it's not my fault, like. It, like I remember one practice I, I was um I was in Australia and uh, it was with the the tier one team that played in the national league there and mm-hmm. uh, I, I joined another practice uh, and then I you know it, it was going great at the start going great I, I scored a, like a couple of good goals in the practice um, during a couple of the drills and then all of a sudden it just it just went to the shit uh, like I I lost my focus uh, in some ways like a couple mistakes kind of led to another and I just lost my nerve and I there was, like looking back it was like dude you just needed to relax again you just have to do this 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 but then a player a uh, great honestly I like I I I wish I could thank this guy personally uh, but of course you know me living outside the world I can't do that but he came to me he's like hey like relax like don't make excuses. And then, you know, that's ego. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, it, it took me back because I was like, wait, wait, what did you just say? And he's like, just don't make excuses. Like, just, that's just bullshit ego. And then, like, that as well. Like, that was like, I think I was 16, 17 at the time. And, like, that just, like, it was like, that put, put things in a whole new perspective. Because, like, again, like, I, 
I was always on YouTube and looking at people who I wanted to be like and everything. And uh, I always kind of, in a, in a little, in a certain way, I distanced myself from, you know, being average and being, let's say, mediocre. But at the same time, despite me having that, the, the, the small foundations, that mindset, I still had ego. I still had like a, a, a bad ego that was toxic for myself. Like shit, like something as simple as like just being like, oh yeah, man, like, you know, shaking your head and, you know, having that negative attitude, which, you know, it, that defeatist attitude, like, you know, well, that yeah. was toxic as hell. Well, the thing is though, I hate, uh, and again, you'll read it in the book and it's awesome. And then like, when you think about it, it's, it, it, it's really amazing to think about it. When you, this obsession with, no one's and like you don't want to be mediocre everyone is like or i'm special that that creates a problem that it's you don't see it initially but it's it creates this issue because now you're thinking you're different than everyone else and now you yep. start triggering that entitlement behavior mm-hmm. and we all do it the problem the the easier way to look at it is yes i'm mediocre but I'm obsessed with improvement. And that's the thing about the greats, the great players, great athletes, great anything, is they knew they were mediocre, they accepted it, but they were obsessed with improvement and they were obsessed with getting better. And so essentially that that became their driver. It created this like never-ending flow of motivation because they, they never put themselves up on the pedestal. They just, it's okay to have the mindset and be like, okay, I, I, can, I know I can be great and I know I have the potential to do it. But right now, that's not what I am. I need yep. to improve. I need to get better. So it's more about accepting that you are mediocre and then understanding I need to be obsessed with improvement. I know where I know I'm right now. I'm not an NHL player. I'm not, I don't have this crazy big hockey business like a lot of other people out there. It's mediocre. Okay, I need to get better. So every single day, I work to improve and get better. And that obsession with improvement, I believe, is what has driven me from being just the average, uh, the really, really average player that I was before college to where I'm at now. And it's just going to continue to drive me throughout the rest of my life, whether it be in hockey and hockey business or anything else. It doesn't matter. It's that obsession with improvement is what's going to drive you to separate yourself from everyone else. Yeah. And I think that's what, like, I believe that's what people say when they talk about, again, a very, um, a quick punchline is like, you know, uh, the process. People love talking about the process. People love saying, is like chucking that term out there. But like what you just said is literally is the essence of that message. Well, yeah, and people don't really know what, like they, they love saying the process. People love saying it, but don't really want to actually ingest what it what that means. Yep. The process, is, it sucks. It sucks. People say, I love the process. <laughs> well, yeah, you, that means you got to love a lot of painful and shitty hours and the things that are just like mundane and other people it would yeah. do. And that's essentially like, you have to be willing to do things that no one else is willing to do and put in those, the time and effort. And it's just like, it's mind numbing sometimes. It's just like, but you, you get to, you have to choose your suffering. You're, you're going to suffer some way, one way or another. You just have to find something that you're willing to suffer for. Exactly. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that goes like right full circle to what Jordan Peterson says. But even, even like with that, like lately, it's like, you know, like I've been like with the the situation I'm in with, with the the hockey and the team I'm with, like they're an hour away, and you know I have to go with the, on the train sometimes for let's say eighty seventy percent of the time for my practices. I need to go on the train, which is you know, an hour and a half on the train, 
uh, you know, late hours. It's an hour practice. I get home a lot about like 11 at night. I still got a bike to the rink and everything. And, <clears throat> but then again, it's, it's not too bad since it's, it's Holland. So biking is, is pretty, it's pretty natural. Um, but, you know, I come back, you know, 11 at night and I kind of imagine, let's say me three, three years ago, four years ago, probably complaining about all this, like complaining about it. And now that I realize that like I've accepted it and honestly, like on that bike ride, I smile and I, and I laugh at myself. You know, I'm just, it's like, I get to choose this. I get to, you know, like it's, it's, it's a weird type of satisfaction. I'm, I'm not sure if you felt it or if, uh, if it's might be something that's completely just kind of random. But it's like I feel like there's a certain sense of satisfaction that you get when you get to choose your own sacrifice. Well, yeah. If you don't choose it, someone else will. And if someone else is making those decisions, it's going to be ten times worse. Yeah. And you just got to that, and that's where it comes down to figure out what the hell that matters to you in life. The, the, the two or three things. That's it. And then just focus on on that. You're going to have to suffer through them. There's going to be some bad times. That's like uh, it, it, you just need to figure that out once you make that once you make that assessment and understand that now you can start moving forward now you can start solving problems yeah it's gonna suck sometimes trust me like it like people in college will say oh, I want to play pro hockey and I tell them I go I used to be like yeah you all gotta do it and and now I go like man wait you ready for this because you ready for uncertainty all the time your job security is at risk all the time, movement all the time, new guys coming in, not playing well, they might bring someone else in. Like, you ready for that? Because most players aren't. They don't understand that out of college. And I've seen a lot of players quit after the – you see a big turnover between players after their first year uh, – their last year of college and first year of pro is because, like, they just – they can't handle it. This. Not, well, it's not that – it's just not what they want. It's not that they can't – yeah, they can't handle it, but it's just they didn't really want it. it okay. That's okay. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine. It doesn't make, I'm not saying they're weak or worse. It just goes, oh, I learned. It took me a year, but I learned that I didn't really want it. That's, a, that's not what I want to deal with. Yeah. So I need to figure out, it, now I need to figure out what I really want to do. And that's yeah. like, it's a very difficult question, but like, that's the problem. I think it, you dive down, like in college, no one really, problem with colleges, they don't really teach kids that. They teach them a lot of just, uh, just stuff that, might be relevant to some people but like teaching so teaching kids to figure out what they really what really matters in life and to go full-blown at that that would be a lot more valuable than me taking a uh, calculus class or like, yeah no for sure yeah. it's just like the, that these are the things that they're not taught so that's why when a player asks me I go okay okay you want to play pro this is what you're going to get like 75 percent of the time it's pretty shitty like you're getting low pay or you're not getting a lot of money. Like you have to work your way up there. Like, and so, uh, it, it, once you, if you're willing to accept that, then every, then those things just become, it's just natural. You'd understand that and you can move past it a lot easier. Yeah. Whereas like guys have to learn it, that turnover happens because they didn't really want it. It's that's not, that's not what really interests them anymore. Yeah. It's just the investment of so much time, so many years. It's understandable why players would go at least a year. But that's just the reality. It's not that they're again to don't confuse it with like oh they're weak they couldn't handle it. It's like no, it's just, they didn't really want it. They yeah. wanted something else. They, they had some other interests, whether it be a family, a job, or athlete, and kudos to them. It's just figuring out what really matters and then going full blown at it. Yeah, 
And how did you feel about kind of just like, just a, can you touched upon it with school? Like, say for me right now, like I'm, I used to be kind of someone who like heavily, uh, let's say when I was like 12 or 11 or 10, I was like kind of big on the whole school idea. And lately, that's kind of that's gone down quite a bit. I've kind of, I don't over respect school in that sense. Like, I'm not saying like, hey, like I'm not saying to people like, hey, you know, drop out of school and everything like that. But like, how was uh, growing up with school? How did that kind of affect your life? And like, what did you kind of think of it growing up? Well, growing up, it was just it was a drone system, and so it's like, it, and it, it was the system was kind of built for someone like me to not like I did well in school I was get I, I get I did well enough I wasn't like a nanny 95 student but the school system wasn't really built for me to succeed but I did it because I I did I did it I worked I put in a whole lot of extra hours into it because I wanted to play college hockey so if you want yep. to play college hockey that's the reality is you're going getting better grades getting good grades is going to help you from a scholarship standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, the better you are at school, it's going to be easier for you. Yeah. Um, is there a ton of value in what they bring? I, I just go, okay, like I look at the stuff that I do now, there's probably like three or four classes that really have mattered to me. Yeah. Like three or four classes out of the, uh, what was it? Uh, probably better over 30 classes I took in college, like three or four that I use right now. The yeah. rest was more pretty relevant yeah and like apart from aside from uh you know your professional hockey career and the stuff that you're doing on instagram and your personal business like what else is kind of like filling up your time here and there that you get to not to necessarily make a professional career out of but just like help you kind of put your mind at ease on other little things little hobbies i i i work with the business takes up a lot of the time because i'm doing a lot of analytics and watching um hockey uh, like different clips and i'm doing like another i i released a study and now i'm making another study more on uh, again how goals are scored from a different from a tactical standpoint so that takes up a lot of my time but like outside of hockey now that i'm in europe i spend um, i spend a little bit of time traveling like me and my girlfriend we have mondays off so we'll go out to different spots and just try to explore a little bit and that kind of it allows me to relax and then outside of the sport i like to read i enjoy reading like different i used to read a ton of books last year but now i've moved towards doing a little bit less and just concentrating on one or two things versus books because there's so much information it's so easy to like have your your head to be spinning like a top yeah to go true. through everything yeah. so i'm at the point now where i'm i'm just dialing down dialing in the things that matter and just focusing on one or two things and that's it. And then I, and then I have some downtime and then I just, re, I just relax. Cause again, like schedule's pretty hectic when it, it's a little different than it was when I played North America. I'm a lot, it's a lot busier here just from the timing standpoint, how like we have a couple more practices and with tr the travel, some travel can be a little bit longer. And, and then there's days like I like to go out and travel a little bit more cause didn't have that possibility in North America. So, if I'm not doing any of those analytics or reading, I'm typically just relaxing. Yeah. And how's that, how's that switch? Because, you know, you're now playing in Germany and you came from the, the uh, East Coast League in America. How is that even that switch for you 
um, just switching countries uh, for, uh, for that matter. Well, How it's that? definitely an adjustment for sure because Europe does things a little differently than North America. That, yeah, definitely. Like, sure. the, <laughs> the access to, to – it's, it's interesting. What I've noticed the most is because I, I really like picking stuff up right away. Like if I need something, I like having it right away and that and that's just the nice thing about america and canada but like here like if i need something it's like oh man like you got to go to seven different stores to get everything you need it's just like so i have had to adjust that way and uh it's it's a definitely have to find different ways to solve that issue but it's it's cool like when when i can just drive to france like on a monday i can go to france and walk around, have an espresso at some random uh, French um, coffee shop and get a baguette and a crepe on the side of the road. It's definitely, yeah. it's interesting. So it's, it's cool. Like from that experience standpoint and at a point now where I can enjoy those things and just kind of uh, explore different things. It's nice to learn different cultures. And um, so I enjoy that, it's de- but it's different. It's a lot different in North America. Yeah. And even let's say, how how did attitudes like change from, let's say the, do you think like kind of pro hockey is kind of just kind of the same, what which, <coughs> whichever league you're in, or is it, it kind of also like, have you noticed that say the Germans take a little bit of a different approach with, you know their approach with the, their training or their their game their game style for example. Well, the the, the game's a little different just playing on bigger ice. The game's going to be a lot different system wise. You have to be careful with certain things. You can't stretch yourself out too much. Um, uh, just the big ice, different seams open up. There's different, ang- there's so many more angles. It's crazy. Like I'd feel bad to be a goalie in Europe just because like moving what like the different lanes that open up. It's, it's definitely, it's, it's on, un- un- it seems unlimited. It's like limitless, but, um, the game's different from a pro standpoint. Everyone's the same. Everyone, like everyone works. you have your, you have guys that work hard guys that like to st- guys that are at the rink a little bit less some guys that love just being at the rink it, it's from a pro standpoint everyone's very similar again i've been fortunate the pro teams i played in north america and here are very like close tight-knit groups and so i've been fortunate in that standpoint so the it, hockey's hockey it's it, it's gonna that's why it's so easy to relate to different hockey players because it's 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 an easy it's easy to relate to them wherever you are in the world Okay, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool insight. Cause like for me, I think maybe with the youth it might be a little bit different. Cause I think I think personally there might be a bit more. There's more vary. There's more variancy just cause like there's so much. There's so many kids playing. Um, but yeah, that's pretty interesting for me. To I, yeah, think I could about. see. I could see that, and also too, like they're growing up in different cultures. Their identities are informed. Um, personalities are developing. Like it's it's a little. It's going to be a lot different when you're younger. Whereas yep. like now, like I'm, we have a couple more younger kids in Germany. Whereas like in the coast, like it'd be we have like one 19 year old. When there's like a couple, we have a couple young kids here, but for the most part, everyone's like 23, 24, and older. So your brain's fully developed at that point. Personalities are basically like set who you are. So now it it's pretty, so you get a pretty standard, um, I guess everyone's this, it's easy to relate across the board. Yeah. And then let's say like, cause like the East coast league the, that you used to play in, I mean, that's kind of, it's a league that I know a lot of people kind of like they tell stories about, and I'm still kind of, it's a bit of a mystery to me. Like how was it playing in the East coast league? 
It's just more games. It's a lot of games. And that's where I said, like, if you really want to play pro hockey out of college, like you're going to have to grind through the East coast league. And like, it's the team. It's so much. There's so many AHL guys coming up and down. There's so many guys from lower leagues that are super skilled trying to make their way through the system. So, and you're playing 72 games. So it's an extra 20 games. Um, than than here. And so that means three games and three nights, four games a week it's challenging yeah so it's very demanding and so that's why it's just it you have to be ready to put in the work boots and like you're gonna you're not gonna feel good every game yeah and i'm taking like say for your body for example because of course let's say with this heavy schedule that you had to face in the east coast league how were you able to like what kind of routines did you have to make sure that everything was in working order and that, you know, your body wasn't breaking down well, too with, much. With functional patterns, uh, we, they, do, they have a very good, um, it's uh, called MFR, uh, myofascial release. And uh, there's a routine. There's a couple different, you assess essentially the dysfunctions that you have. And then you, you're able to pick out specific techniques, um, um, I mean, areas to use this MFR technique and help. I mine's about 40 minutes. I do 40 minutes about a day, just try to work out the kinks. And that really helps from that standpoint. And I got it from their 10 week course. It really helped me just open up awareness to where my body was at. It's more of like a self-assessment test. And then you learn some new different techniques there. And then from the training standpoint, it's more of like when you get those two days off to make sure you're getting in, make sure you're getting in, some type of a workout like just to kind of keep your body fresh because you can't work out when you're playing three games in three nights and so you have to really that's where the accountability on the pro athlete comes into play where you have to do the things that like when you have that extra time make sure you get the work in and then when you have downtime make sure you get a lot of rest like you got to make sure you're putting in the right things in your body and just doing what works for you what's going to help you be successful and so that comes down to that self-awareness and um, self-accountability. Yeah. And then, like, like how, what was it kind of like a big, like, <coughs> sorry, um, like making that switch from, again, like you said, like, that kind of realization, like, if you want to play pro hockey, you know, do you really want to play pro hockey? This is what you're in for. Was there, uh, like, a bigger a bit of a shock about the, like the amount of demand that was asked from you well, switching uh, from college to pro. Well, my first year pro, it was just, uh, it was, it was, it was tough. It was really tough. I was on, we were on a bad team. Um, um, coach liked me, but the reality was he just didn't, he valued older players a little bit more, um, really short leash when it came to us. And so a lot of the younger guys, first year guys, and I ended up leaving, um, I'm going to, I decided I wasn't getting played. So at that point in February, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to an SP team where I can play. And the coach was like, yeah, like we, we can't play you. But he was, he just kept me along and he, he just, we talked it out and we figured that was like the best option. I never ended up going to the SP. I actually ended up getting picked up by Fort Wayne where I ended up being for three years and working my way through. But it was like a cluster of like two weeks uh, uncertainty there and then during that whole season I was just thinking I was going to get released at the whole time and like when that season ended I finally finished with Fort Wayne and um, and then ended up going back there and like being really successful I ended up earning a spot for the next year 
and there was like a huge turning point. But at the end of that year, I was like, okay, like I can handle this. I can handle anything. I can't like, this is like, if I keep going, I'm going to keep going now at this point. But if I want to stop, it's going to be right now. Yeah. It's like, I've gone through a ton. Like I've gone through the ringer. And so that was like one of my big first tests right out of college is just understanding the uncertainty of pro hockey and having, and I, what I did learn the biggest lesson was the ability to be very adaptable to these situations. And again, maximizing the opportunities. I ended up earning a spot in that Fort Wayne team and I ended up playing there the rest of my pro career in the East coast league. And that was very fortunate. One of the best places to play. And so and then uh, I had to make a tough decision to move on just from a development standpoint, but I owe them a lot because they gave me that opportunity. And again, I worked, I, I earned it. And, uh, I, but that was like, that was really one of the biggest first tests. Like when I decided to play pro hockey. And so now instead of telling people, I always ask the question in college, why did you play? Like, why wouldn't you play pro hockey? Now I go, okay, well now I know why some people just quit right after college. Cause they, they make that realization like it's not for me. It's not what I want. Yeah. So, and then where's that kind of like? What are, what are you looking towards now for the the upcoming the the near future? Like Just the plan improvement. Obsessed with improvement, my own improvement, and that's like what I bring to the table here. I'm constantly last guy on the ice, first guy on type mentality. Just because I have things that I want to work on, I always trying to get better every drill like that and. And you see a lot of guys here, a lot of younger guys, even older guys that will, will do different things after practice. And that I think what I do is just keep doing that and just try to play at the highest level. Like I'm trying to play at the highest level in Europe and slowly and the way it's going to happen is by putting in that work, that improvement, because I know my, where I'm at, it needs to be better. It's just the, it's just the reality. And so I'm just constantly working to get better every single day that self-improvement, it's going to be my key to moving up to that next level. Yeah. And then I bet that ties in with like kind of the studies you're doing um, that you're sharing also a little bit on Instagram. Cause it, I noticed that the goal scoring <coughs> um, study that you were doing. And I remember, cause I remember it was a thing. I'm trying to think when I, when I did the, cause the, you know, the Alexander Ovechkin, like how to shoot like Alexander Ovechkin um, train 2.0 video. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember, because I was actually the one who came up with that data. Uh, for oh, okay, Jason. nice. And then it was actually pretty interesting because, you know, I was doing, because basically it was like me, uh, Timothy Rye, uh, Corson, and like Maxi, uh, and a couple other guys that Jason kind of got around and were, were discussing part of the patterns in the pro. And he was trying to like kind of teach us the systems as to like, he was basically what it was, basically what we we're doing is like, how to become Jason level at thinking the game mm. and how to analyze it. It actually worked pretty successfully for me in course and in Tim. And um, I was just interested, like what was kind of the, your findings from your study with the uh, goal scoring? From I, the three, the study was a three-year study on, it came out to about 46 players. But again, those were like, essentially it was 15 players, but I watched like certain players like Ovechkin, Kane, Jamie Ben over a three over a three year span. So watching what they did each year. Um, and what I found from that was that the most relevant information was each player found three skills or they essentially created 70% of their goal scoring came from three skills 
So whether that be a catch and release, a carry shot, a one-timer, um, a net drive, net jam, whatever it was. For, I have about I have 10 skills that I break it down, like every type of way to score goals. I got it 10, to, 10 ways. And I found that like, these players were exhibiting three skills where a majority of their goal scoring was coming from. Yep. And so when you develop, and what I look to do is essentially create that self-assessment in players – figure out what they're dominant at or the skills that they is they're that they do well and make those things great and it follows that 80 20 principle that jason talks about and um uh, it's the same idea it's it's uh, i don't think it's from a right now it's not as it's not an 80 20 what i found from my results but again once you dive in deeper and deeper and essentially that's the goal of each study which is whatever you get your results you want to work at again, making fine tuning that and creating another study. And so that's what I'm working towards now. But from that study is what I found is that these, there's these players, these top players exhibited the same skills throughout three years. They're showing the same skills that they're doing the best. That they're the best at like, again, a guy like Crosby, he's very big. He's, he's a tipper. Like he, he can tip pucks on top of his ability to, again, um, carry the puck and shoot catch and release is amazing he's he can knock the puck out of the air it's to say he's showed similar signs like uh pavelski and most of his goals uh, almost 50 percent of his goals were from tips uh the one year so yeah and that the the study essentially was to direct players give players um some more feedback into like okay let's dial in what you're let's figure out what you're good at and now let's make it tr- let's really master that let's not yeah. worry about trying to get good at everything because that's yeah. just not that's just not what you see you don't see any player that's just good at everything you need yeah. to figure out what you're good at a guy like Corey perry he's a very big net drive net jam guy and that's like when he had his big year three years ago where he scored i think it was close to 40 goals i can't remember right now but like a lot of his goals were net jams because that's just what he did that's what like he he was the best at it so it's figuring out what you're good at and, and just, just doubling down. Oh man, double, triple down that, triple it down because that's what you, that's what's going to help you again get to that next level. You look at Patrick Kane; he masters. He did like you see these game um, practice to game transfers, and you see he's just he's practicing a couple things. He's mastering it, and that's it. Like he is is he protecting the puck essentially the way Sidney Crosby does? No. No. Because that's not what he does. That's not his skill set. Can yeah. he protect the puck? Yes. But that's not that's not his strength. So he doesn't it's not like he's spending most most his time on it. Yep. So Yeah. Yeah, because that's like that's what when I did the study for Vetchkin, I was like, holy shit, like it's just one timers, one timers, one timers, one timers. From one like, spot. Yeah, once that, that yeah, Ovechkin's office is what I called it. And then it was like, holy crap, he like just moves down, and then he'll just change his style of shot. That's just uh, more specific with that little situation, but essentially all in the same area. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, well, yeah, and he, he really freaking tripled down on his, like, like, his bets. Like, holy crap. Well, yeah, and, but the, and the stu- I studied it before as a film. One-timers was the highest percentage of goals were scored. And, again, one-timers, I, I define a little differently than everyone else. I, it's not just like – wound up one timers um uh, but like i found that most goals were scored that way so if you can div- if you're good at one timers you can double down on that you're going to find yourself scoring a lot of goals in the nhl because think about it on the power play how are most goals scored 
again, yeah, like you're, they're, yeah. they're finding those seams and it's bombs away. And so that, cause anytime you get that goalie moving, you're going to score more goals. So yep. your chances are going to increase. So that's kind of like the name of the game there. And so if you have a one timer, a good one timer, you master that down, you're going to be, you're going to be goalies to, to spots. It's just, that's the way it's going to happen. Yeah. So. I like that. Yeah. Cause that was, that was the thing that I was like, Again, like as a player, I used to kind of be the guy who's like too chaotic and a little bit too focused on approving every little aspect of my game. Versus we all do having, it. Yeah, like having like three or two skills that like you kind of realize are, hey, these are, these should be kind of your pillars and you need to develop them as well and not just like let them be, you know, as good as they are right now, they could be even better and like help you dominate the game even more. Because then you start putting yourself, then you start putting yourself in situations where you're able to exhibit that skill more often, or where that skill happens, and that's what I'm doing. My next study is trying to see where these situations, like where skills, are happening more frequently, and then when you do that stuff, it, it, again, now your game start, you start adding on top of skill, adding the hockey IQ, adding the mechanics, and now you're like, whoa, completely different player. So yeah. And then, like, what's that? What, what, are, what's, what do you have you realized? Because, of course, I, you would uh, undoubtedly study your own game film. What have you realized are kind of like your main uh, tools that you have you know, to help you dominate the game as best as possible? From, from my skill standpoint, like, not from the uh, goal scoring standpoint, just from like a skill standpoint, self assessment, it's protecting the puck. Getting to the net front specifically, just again, my ability to maneuver around the net front is really well. And then it's a, finding that open man. I've always been really good. Again, that's the one thing I need to work on my own goal scoring. Let's be serious. Like this year, for some reason, I just haven't, like the, the early on, I haven't been able to find the net. But again, when I was from a skill standpoint, like last year, the big things that worked really well for me, again, I scored most of my goals around the net. And again, I found myself, put, I found myself like with that catch and release. I was able to get pucks off quickly. And so from my own standpoint, those were the two things that I did really well. Yeah. And so I did, I just like focused on that a lot. And so like work on transitioning from catching to releasing and getting and making sure everything in between is as smooth as possible. Yeah. And so I that's what I work on from a shooting standpoint to develop. And then one timers, I, when I talk about one timers is like a two touch essentially like I consider that a one timer as well and even plays around the net where you, you get a puck backdoor like being able to react to a puck that you can't see and still one time it off like that's something that I'm good at and so I work on that I try to work on that as well when I have the opportunity to have some other guys but again that catch and release is my standpoint from a scoring standpoint that's what helps me succeed as a player okay yeah Okay, yeah, cause that's, yeah, again, like, that's, like, the kind of mentality that I need to really start focusing focusing in on is, like, yeah, like, what, what like, are the, the foundations of the of your game? And then, like, Bailiff we talked about is, like, role is relative. And it connects to that idea as well. It's, like, like, what do you bring to the table? What do you offer? And so, yeah, that's, like, again, like what I was saying, like, for me, when I, like, if someone asked me, I go, again, I protect the puck, play really well around the walls. I get to the net front. And again, I, I, I'm playing hard. Like I find those, I find those guys. I find open guys. That's I'm a centerman. I find open guys. That's why I get a, a ton of apples. Is more from like I'm able. That's I'm, I'm good at. What I need to do is shoot more because when I score is when I'm shooting more. That's just yeah. the way it is. Yeah. And so, um, and that's something that I'm 
I continuously work on. It's part of the ups and downs of hockey. Yeah, that's normal. So yeah, and then like, how has that been? How have you been able to like transfer this to, to younger players? How how's that been going? Good. Like again, I actually just got an email from a kid today. It was really exciting. I was like hearing um, the information finally relevant for kids, and they're taking in what I'm saying. But I was working with a kid online and. Again, I, I go through the game tape, given a general assessment where he's at, and then kind of, and then on top of the good stuff, I find the things, essentially the two or three things that are probably causing a majority of uh, uh, athletes' issues, and I did that with myself. And um, the, this one young player that I'm working with really had said, that, like, he identified the things he figured, he's starting to take the information in, like a puck management was an issue, and he's like, a, a game video that he sent me goes, I really feel like I'm getting a lot better at managing the puck. And he told me he had two goals that game and had a set up along the wall. And it's just like from the three weeks we started working on stuff, he's starting to already see that improvement. If you can figure out the things essentially that are causing most of your issues, you'll be able to, you cut that out. Now you're going to see your game excel as well on top of just the improvement side. Yeah. No, so that's pretty, that's awesome. The fact that like, <laughs> Because I bet, because like, I bet we you get the same satisfaction that I do. Like when you help someone, it's like, yeah, like finally, like the the you know what I'm what I'm teaching is like not only having value for myself in my own life, but you know other people are getting like similar results as well. Well, yeah, and information and just build the fundamentals, start emmy pros, and develop that hockey IQ with my kids. I've is it. It's been going that that turnaround, really picking up on the information. And again, the information I give to them is all I would do. I've worked with through myself, and it's evidence-based type work. It's not just like shooting in the breeze, the spaghetti sticking on the wall effect, or the yeah. cookie cutter system. So we that's I try to separate. I've completely separated myself from that. Uh, anytime I catch myself drifting back, which is, I just, I cut it out right away. So, yeah, uh, that's awesome. And I, I just want to wrap this video, uh, this episode up because I gotta go. Yeah, I gotta get going to here. So, uh, but look, like, thank you very much for uh, helping me, uh, you know, joining on this podcast episode with me. Uh, this is like, it's actually been exceeded my expectations, and I already had high expectations for what this conversation would bring. But like, even for me personally, like, I've got now. My, even myself, I got information that I can now work off of. Well, I'm glad is again. I, I I just enjoy just being able to have a good conversation and just kind of share different stories and some of the stuff that I'm working on and that you're working on. And it's awesome to see like what you're doing. I li- I was listening to one of your podcasts again. Like again, shoot for the moon. Like go for just go for it. Just find what really matters and just dry, put your head down, get to work, and like you will be able to do it. That's like. There's lots of content behind that stuff. Like we've talked about it, just figure out what you want. And I think you've got a good grasp of what you want. Now it's just solving those problems and yeah. be a problem solver. That's what you got to do to be successful, I think. And that's what has helped me get me to where I'm at right now and what I'll use to keep moving forward. Yeah, I really like that. Be a problem solver. So anything, so anything like just three or like one or two things that like anyone watching, whether it be hockey player, student, just someone like anyone. What are like two, three main things that you think you want to get across to, to people? Honestly, it's one, it just love improvement. Be like, be obsessed with improving. There's, it's just about you. Like all the noise around you doesn't matter. 
And I'll share this one quick thing, and I promise I'll let you go. Again, I was listening to Joe Rogan podcast, and they were talking about I can't remember the guy's name, but they were talking about teaching German shepherds at a monastery. And what they did was the German shepherd had to walk from point A to B with like other monks, just like making as loud of noise as possible. And it had to just walk straight and not hear anything around it. Just be calm, cool, see the, see the goal ahead and just walk straight. And it's the same thing with like improvement. When you're obsessed with improvement, you're going to hear lots of noise your whole life. You're going to hear this, like all these people, all these naysayers, all the haters, but it's about having a vision, figuring out what you want and just being obsessed with improving yourself and you'll get to that goal. Yep. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Anyway, it's time to head off and then close this episode. This is actually a fucking awesome episode. Anyway, uh, for everyone that's listening, follow Mason on Instagram at Baps Hockey. Um, and look, Mason, thank you again for joining me in on the, uh, this episode of the Bulletproof Podcast. And I wish you all the best. Yeah, thanks a lot, Thomas. You have a good one. All right, take care. See ya. Bye. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of the Bulletproof Podcast. If you're interested in following or finding out more about Mason's services, if you're a hockey player or a professional athlete, uh, links for both his website as well as his Instagram, at Babs Hockey, will all be in the description, as well as his Facebook page. Anything related so that you could contact him will all be put in the description below. Otherwise, I hope that for those who listened, either whether it be you know half of this podcast a quarter or the full length that there was something you could take from it and again that this podcast is filled to the fucking brim with value so please whatever piece of value that you were able to take away from this podcast please message me and tell me what you thought of this podcast episode i'm really interested to see you know what your feedback is what you enjoyed what you want to see more of and Again, like this podcast, uh, it's not just about me sharing my journey. It's also about being able to streamline that positive message and that message of improvement, of development in every facet of your life. Whether you're a professional athlete, whether you're a student, whether you know you're a 16 year old kid going with the flow, whatever it is, it'll all be here on the Bulletproof Podcast. Anyway, have a fucking awesome day. Take care. Catch you guys next time. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Eat, sleep, drink, wake up.